Unlocking. What was cool? Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, I'm of the mind that every random encounter with another person should result in a battle. Finally, we need to make this law, Neil. Elect mm-hmm. Neil 2024. Yep, yep. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. we got a great show. got an RPG to talk about, as you know, or as the listeners know, you and I both love RPGs. <laughs> so it's uh, fun. Well, usually we walk away <laughs> loving the RPG. It's true, more it's than, true. But with this one, we actually got to pick the RPG, and it's one that we actually like going into it, so that's mm-hmm. rare. Um, but I do have to make a quick correction from last week on our Chicken Run episode. If you haven't already listened to it, go back and check out episode 41. We talked about the classic DreamWorks stop animation movie, The Time with Chicken Run 2, which just launched on Netflix. Uh, haven't seen it yet, but I can't wait to see what that's all about. But uh, we said that it's the second animated DreamWorks movie, and when I was editing it, I was like, that doesn't sound right. Uh, there was Ants, and then Prince of Egypt came out. So Chicken Run was actually the third uh, animated uh, yes. DreamWorks movie. I remember Ants. I saw that one in theaters. That's a good movie. A lot of drama behind that one, because of course came out right around the same time as A Bug's Life. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of drama there between DreamWorks and Pixar. But, Mike, a few weeks ago, an exciting thing happened on Spotify. We got our wrapped, our everyone's embarrassing 2023 mm. Spotify stats dropped. So uh, I'll start with you. Uh, what were some of your uh, your statistics from uh, 2023? Well, I mean, I, uh, I I had a lot more punk than I uh, I thought I was going to be. No, it's always going to be Good. the same, same amount. Blink-182 <laughs> was my number one. I actually listened to Blink a lot. Uh, this year because of the new album, because uh, I just was getting into them for other reasons as well. And of course, we saw them live too, so had to listen to them there. Uh, also had Julian Baker's uh, and Phoebe Bridgers and uh, uh, Lucy Dacus's band Boy Genius, of course, that blew up again this year. Had them on my top five. Uh, had Paramore, had Jimmy Eat World, because I feel like every year I need to have Jimmy Eat World yep. in, uh, in my <laughs> top five. And then I rounded it out with Linkin Park, and that was mostly to do with our nice. episode episode seven of uh, the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, where we talked about Meteora. And I kind of got back into that episode similar in a similar way that you got back into Tony Hawk's Underground mm-hmm. uh, this year, where you just kept <laughs> doing it after the episode. Yeah. So that, that's that's been a fun time of, of this, this podcast series so far, is being able to like get into something again, not just games, but get into something else just for a while and remember how much fun it was. 20 years ago which mm-hmm. was meteora so yeah that uh, that round up my top five what about you neil what were your top five artists yeah my top five artists as you said jimmy world had to be in the top five and they were it's funny the last couple of years they just keep keep <laughs> ending up in there i think it's because like when i don't know what to listen to they're they're yep. one of those bands where like i don't know what to listen to uh, uh, futures cool yeah uh they, yeah between bleed american futures <laughs> and uh chase this light between those three albums uh it's mostly what i've uh what I listened to, but that, that they were number four. But uh, in order from uh, five, four, three, two, one, I went simple plan because they're always there. They're like you my, legally they, need to, yeah. Legally, I'm have contractually a contract. <laughs> exactly as a Canadian <laughs> Canadian pop punk fan. I am contractually obligated to always have simple plan in my top five. Uh, last year, I think they were my top one or two because they had a new album last year. Mm. But this year, top five. Uh, number four was Jimmy Eat World, which I think was the same as last year. Uh, number three, I also had Blink-182. Uh, had a lot mm-hmm. to do with their new record, uh, One More Time. Loved it. Uh, of course, we talked about um, we talked about Enema of the State. 
earlier this year. So I yes. listened to them a whole bunch. And they're just like Jimmy World. I always have them on for whatever reason, like listening to them while driving, like listening to their live album while I'm hanging out. And I love the new album. Really excited to see them live next summer at the Rogers Center. Uh, number two is Passenger. He's the uh, acoustic folk artist that I've been into ever since 2012 when mm-hmm. he had his one hit single that came out. <laughs> I just never stopped listening to him after that. Yeah, uh, no, Let Her cool. Go song. Uh, I love his music. I listen to him in the morning. Almost every morning I listen to one of his albums while I'm getting started on work because his it's very easy listening. So I like popping on. His records are quick too. They're about 25, 30 minutes. Um, so I like listening to those in the morning while I'm sipping my tea, getting, getting ready to take the abusive emails for the day. As you know, you know, it's, you need something light to start the day. And then number one for the first time ever. And I'm very embarrassed to say this for whatever reason, I don't know why, but number one for me is MXPX. The, uh, I don't know what to call them. (laughs) Pop punk, skate punk band. Uh, they, they started off in the early nineties, I think 1991, um, I started listening to them in 2020 because they're I, I discovered their 2018 album through uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, as you do. I discovered uh, their uh, their song "Let's Ride" on their their Tony Hawk Pro Skater remake. Mm-hmm. They had a song on there, and I was like, "Yeah, this song's actually this song actually slaps." Who yeah. is this? And it's uh, it's MXPX, and I was like, "Oh, like I know of them because they just cross paths with, of course, bands like Simple Plan and Bad Religion, which is another band that I like. They're kind of in between those two bands. I feel like they're kind of pop punk and also kind of skate punk. They sort of skate the line, no pun intended." Um, and I ended up getting really into their 2018 album and listened to it a whole bunch during the pandemic. And then they had a new album come out this year, um, uh, Find a Way Home, I think it's called. And I listened to it a whole bunch, so much, Mike, that I ended up in MXPX's top 0.01% <laughs> worldwide <laughs> listeners. So I guess I'm a big MXPX fan now. Um, they're cool. Like we talk a lot about uh, three-piece bands. They're technically a four-piece now, I think, but they are one of those three-piece bands from the 90s, and I listened to them for 5,304 minutes this year, uh, putting me in the top 0.01%. Um, and total, I listened to 112,605 minutes, which I think is pretty good. That is fantastic, Neil. I know yours keeps going up every year, and I like it. I know that you're trying to get to 120,000 minutes so that Correct. you can cost Spotify money, which is mm-hmm. really what we're here, we're here for. I only hit 41,000 minutes, but it was a lot, quite a bit more than my previous years. I, I never know how Spotify counts it because I listen to a lot of my music offline in the car, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if Spotify actually gets that data from what I'm listening uh, offline. Who knows? I always feel like it's much lower than what I'm actually listening to, especially sometimes I'm like, I feel like I listen to like this one band a lot and they're not in my top 10. Hmm. Whatever. Spotify algorithm algorithm is pretty weird sometimes, but uh, I I I did have most of my my top songs were from those top five bands. It actually was pretty like broke down pretty nicely. Like every band had a top five song, uh, hmm. except for um, Lincoln Park. Just swap that out with What's Up from Mom Jeans, which is a nice. fantastic song. Oh yeah, their new album uh, is that. What's the uh, Sweet Tooth? Is that the name of the album? I don't know. I just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How weird is it now? Like when albums come out, we know, barely we, know the title of them. For me, yeah, it's weird when that happens. How like the top bands don't necessarily correlate with the top songs. Mm-hmm. I think the offline thing. I'm pretty sure your Spotify account syncs up when you go back online because I remember a few years ago when I was doing a lot of running outside, I was using my iPod Touch, which obviously was offline when I was using it, and a lot of those songs that I was listening to while running ended up in my Spotify top ten 
10 or whatever it was that year. So I think it does add up, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly. But yeah, I had in my top five songs, I had God Damn It All by The Wonder Years. They, of course, weren't uh, weren't in my top five. And then my number one song uh, was by the Honest Heart Collective from Thunder Bay and the, their new song Suffocate came out. And I think I listened to that song. They said 76 times, which I'm pretty surprised that that was how high like how low I guess my highest listened to song was because I feel like I listened to Bleed American way more than that in a year but I guess right? not so yeah I don't know algorithms Spotify it's weird but what's not weird or maybe even weirder I'm not sure because Spotify likes to create these personalities now I guess this is where we're going with 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 Spotify needs to create jobs for someone to, to create these right. personality traits and mine is the alchemist what does that mean I don't know. I guess I make a lot of playlists, apparently. Mm, okay. uh, that's uh, that's my thing. And my music geographic location is Burlington, Vermont, which is apparently uh, a thing that not, not necessarily a glitch, but uh, way more people than should have got it. I saw oh. a story about it recently and I was like, oh, good. It's not just me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> which band did it say? What Do you remember what bands it was that... Uh, is that where Paramore are from? Like, no, what? no, they're not. I know, right? Uh, and no, I forget. Someone is from there, but it just it just because... The idea is that like your music taste like mm. uh, corresponds to the people who are in Burlington, Vermont. I guess I don't know. I okay. I, this is Spotify's first time doing it. I think they kind of yeah. botched it, uh, uh, mm. but um, you know maybe next time they'll they'll figure it out. Maybe I remember I loved last year's one where they summed up your music with a music festival poster. Yeah, I, that that was cool. That was really neat. the The personality I think there were twelve different personalities. I can't remember all twelve of them now. Um, but mine was hypnotist. Um, and that's because I listened to albums from start to finish. That was kind of what they were getting at. I don't know what that has to do with hypnotism. I thought I, that was because you listened to hypno, hypnotized by a system of a down. Well, I do, but that didn't have, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't exactly it. I, that's, it could have been actually, but no, that wasn't, uh, it just said, because you listen to albums front to back, you are a hypnotist. And I looked at it and I was like, is that weird? <laughs> I listen to albums from front to back. Apparently it is that, uh, cause my wife was like, yeah, I listen, I don't listen to albums. Most people front don't. To back. Yeah. That's, we do. We do though. That's it's like putting on a movie like I hit first song on the album and I listen to it all the way through unless Mm -hmm. I get interrupted but my geographic location is Thunder Bay Ontario and that's because it was because it said Honest Heart Collective some 41 which is incorrect they're from Ajax and Amanda Marshall who's from uh, Toronto so um, those are the three artists that they just lumped into Thunder Bay why not why not but uh neil some last spotify stats here i want to talk about very quickly are of course our Mm -hmm. own spotify stats for the unlocking what was cool podcast we get our own wrapped it is fun to be on the other side of it and see how the artists uh wrapped some really fun stats that we got so far and do you we do have to remind everybody that we were off for two months so i think it's still pretty impressive but uh um 81 percent of listeners discovered us in 2023 so that is Pretty crazy. 80% of people did not listen to the GameCube is Cool before wow. uh, they uh, before we started unlocking what was cool. I'm sure they went back and listened to some better episodes. Hopefully they didn't <laughs> listen to the first episode. But uh, I think uh, that was a pretty crazy stat. And 7% of those people came exclusively from Twilight Princess. Wow. Which is just shows how big of an episode that was. 50% were from a direct link also that someone shared to someone else, which I think is really cool that most of the people that we get for this podcast are people just sharing it with their friends, which is really what how I want people 
to discover yeah. this podcast is someone being like, hey, like, here's a link. Check out this really random podcast about guys who used to talk about the GameCube a lot and still right. kind of do. Well, we don't, we don't, yeah. We kinda, I mean, yeah, like every other week or every episode, I'm sure we talk about something GameCube yes. related. But yeah, we don't really have any other way. I can't think of another way people would discover us because we don't put, like, we don't do advertising or anything. Like, we don't advertise in other shows. So I guess that that makes sense. I guess the other 50% just find us organically. Instagram organically yeah. searching Google. Most mm-hmm. shared episode actually was Roller Coaster Tycoon, which is perfect. Fun. I love Good. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, streamed in 73 countries. United States was, of course, our top country. Uh, our podcast grew 5% on Spotify. And like I said, we did take two months off. So we still grew 5%, wow. which is impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also got 56% more, more followers. And this is the crazy stat that I like here. 1,500 fans in, the, in our top uh, had us as one of their top 10 podcasts. Wow. Uh, f- f- 1,000 fans had us as uh, one of the top five podcasts for them. And then 300 plus fans had us as their number one podcast for the year. That is wow. very, very cool to hear. That's cool. So between 2,700 uh, different accounts, we were in at least a top 10. That's, yeah. that's neat. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of people. We can Thank fill you. a small, not a small, we can fill a decent sized concert venue in toronto yeah probably what would that be least palace maybe his his no history is 2000 isn't it yeah you said 2700 is it 2000 now i'm second guessing myself yeah his uh, history is 2500 wow that's pretty cool we can fill history is that once i guess once a year once and have some 200 people waiting outside no, oh, okay. That's yeah, the rapper. Oh, there's always a rapper around the building, man. You can always tell when there's a K-pop band in town because at like one o'clock in the afternoon, it's like, dude, the doors are at six. Like, what are you doing? It's, it's, it's December. Go, go find a Tim's or something. But uh, no, that's a great year, Mike. Congratulations on all the hard work. And you're right. We did take a bit of a break earlier in the year. So it's really cool that we found, uh, we found a lot of new followers, a lot of listeners. I think I was checking our stats today and it looks like we're around 160,000 total downloads in uh, three and a half years, which is absolutely crazy uh, of course most of that is from our gamecube episodes like you said twilight princess thank you so much to everyone this year who listened to that episode i definitely don't remember a single thing i said a year ago so uh <laughs> i'll have to go back and listen to it and see how good it actually is because mm-hmm. i still love that game um so maybe i can learn a thing or two from the things that uh that i said but mike i think with that it's about time that we jumped into today's episode and talk about some more video games what do you think yeah we'll take it from past neil and mike to future neil and mike here with super mario rpg nice sounds good ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 42 of the unlocking what was cool podcast the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services we are the number one podcast on the internet hosted by people who obsess over spotify wrapped stats Patreon is currently on hold, so you can just support the show by leaving us some nice feedback and share us with your friends, which apparently 50% of you do. Last week, we talked about the classic stop animation 2000 film Chicken Run. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about a game that started the Paper Mario franchise all the way back in 1996, a game that in a sea of RPGs on the SNES stands out as a beloved Nintendo classic. Up until this year, it has been fairly dormant with the exception of a few Super Smash Bros. trophies here and there. We are, of course, here today to talk about Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Star Saga, which was released on March 9th, 1996. Developed by Square, published by Nintendo, it's on the SNES, the SNES Classic, and has currently been, or, and has just recently been remade for the Nintendo Switch. Rates a 9 out of 10. Price today on the SNES, $110 without the box, over $300 in the box. Wow. It is an RPG sold 2.14 
million copies. Takes about 18 to 20 hours to beat, 25 hours to fully complete. So a relatively short RPG uh, by the uh, JRPG standards from back in the day. So Mike, what are your memories of Mario RPG from back in the day and currently? Have you played this game before? Well, I have nearly no memories of this game, you <laughs> for a lot of reasons, of course. Uh, I didn't own a, a SNES, and this game really wasn't that accessible uh, if you didn't have a SNES. It, it, of course, did not go on the N64, even though it was an extremely late SNES game, uh, three months away from the, from the N64, in fact. Mm-hmm. And um, and also, it, it felt like a little bit maybe too advanced for me. I, I knew of the game, I think, when I was a kid, because uh, older brothers or someone played it. Uh, but uh, f- I never really had much inkling to play it, Neil, because of really the fact that Paper Mario existed. Mm-hmm. And this was a much more accessible game. It also looked a lot more accessible, uh, that that paper style, that friendliness. I, I had it on GameCube. There was really no reason for me to go back and try and find the original uh, original Paper Mario, basically, which was Super mm-hmm. Mario RPG. And I, I didn't really know too much about this until, until I started getting into a bit more of the history of games and, and Square and everything and what that meant. And uh, and I then learned about Geno and I learned a little bit about like how everyone wants him in Smash and yeah. they got baited having him as a Mii Fighter costume. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I, I had never played it. I had never really had much experience of it until we were going to do this uh, this podcast and basically lined up pretty well maybe six months ago or so they did announce that the the remake was coming out and then I was like okay I do want to actually kind of look at this a little bit more I want to uh, dive into it uh, watch some gameplay understand why this game is so highly touted and uh, now I have a lot of ammunition for this uh, for this podcast so I am ready to talk about it and we're gonna have a friend on very soon to talk about it as well who played it back in the day but uh, yeah for me that's kind of really my memories which are almost none but Neil what about yours? Yeah, similar to you, I also did not play this game back in 1996 because we were three years old, not even three years old yet, (laughs) March 1996. Um, But uh, as we talked about a lot on the GameCube is Cool podcast and this podcast as well, uh, the Unlocking What Was Cool, uh, I was not big on RPGs as a kid, except with the exception of Pokemon. That was the exception to every child's rule. Everyone was playing an RPG without really knowing it. Pokemon snuck snuck a, they snuck one past the goalie um, on that one. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I did not have, I did not have this game, first of all, because when we were kids, the only way that you could play Mario RPG was if you owned the cartridge. And by the time I was really into getting or buying video games and really into playing video games, Super Nintendo games were not accessible anymore. Exactly. They weren't available in EB games. I didn't have access to eBay or any, you know, face, Facebook marketplace did not exist. So I was really at a loss. I also was not playing emulators or anything when I was younger. So um, and didn't this wasn't have any... on the GBA either, which was nope. like really what the SNES emulator or GBA was basically a SNES emulator. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And Nintendo couldn't republish this game again. They couldn't put it on GameCube or, or maybe DS probably would have been a good choice too, yeah. but they, they couldn't do any of that because the licensing is shared between Square and now Square Enix. Um, so that is why they eventually made Paper Mario. And then again, they eventually made Mario and Luigi series, mm-hmm. another 
RPG series. So there have just been other pr- uh, predecessors to Mario RPG that I ended up playing later. Um, and Mario RPG, the game that started it all, just kept on getting buried and lost to, to time, basically. It was sad, but that's what happened. Up until uh, 2018, I finally got a chance to play it because I got my hands, luckily, on a Super NES Classic when that finally came out. And I got to play some games that I, I missed on the Super Nintendo, like I played Super Metroid. I got to play Star Fox 2 that's on that. I, of course, went back and played all the classics like Donkey Kong and uh, Super Mario World, which I played when I was a kid on my Super Nintendo, which I still own. Super Nintendo is such a such a phenomenal console. I love oh, yeah. so many games on there. Um, and I, I knew I had to play Super Mario RPG because I'd heard so many good things about it. It's on so many people's top 10 favorite SNES games of all time. It's on lots of people's favorite Nintendo games of all time. So I had to find out what what the hype is and, and you know where are the similarities between this and Paper Mario because I had played Thousand Year Door and I think at this point I had played the N64 Paper Mario game, but I, I can't remember now. So I I, uh, I, I didn't pop in, but I uh, I turned on Super Mario <laughs> RPG and fell in love with it instantly. Um, I love the music, the graphics, the gameplay, the charm. It was so easy to put myself in the shoes of a kid or an adult in 1996 uh, playing Mario RPG for the first time, having basically played standard Mario games for the last 10 years. For the most part, Mario didn't deviate from the classic formula. I know that there was the odd, you know, sports game thrown in there. There was Mario Kart, of course, but mostly Mario games between the NES and the Super NES were Mario World and and Mario Land and all these 2D platformers. So it was a new genre that Nintendo were trying out with, uh, with Mario, and it worked ridiculously well um we got to see mario in an isometric view which even paper mario doesn't do that it's it's for the most part 2d Mm -hmm. so that was all very new uh the graphics i thought even in 2017 or 2018 held up really well um those kind of donkey kong style pre-rendered it's not the super fx chip there is a chip that they used for the cartridge to make it look like that but honestly like it looks like a pc game from the 90s it's pretty incredible that they had that running on the super nintendo um I loved. I fell in love with all the different characters. It just felt so much like Paper Mario with the sarcasm and the humor that they <laughs> all had with each other, the self-deprecation, the fourth wall breaking. Um, everything was, was hitting so well. And I loved the combat, the turn-based combat, timing your attacks. It all worked really well uh, in a genre that is really hard to get me to, uh, to fold in. Yeah. Uh, if it's not Pokemon, if it's not Paper Mario, and it's not a South Park RPG, uh, I'm probably going to turn turn and walk around and, and walk the other way and not play it. Um, so I'm really glad that I finally got to get around and playing it, and I beat it. And it was perfect timing, too, because it was right around the time when I think they started announcing Smash Bros. Uh, DLC. Mm-hmm. And everybody started to talk. You, you mentioned it before. Everyone was making guesses on who the other characters were going to be. And uh, everyone was, uh, you know, wanting Gino, the uh, the puppet Gino. from uh, from Mario RPG. And I knew who that was. It was so cool. I knew exactly yeah. who that was. And I, I agreed. I wanted him in Smash, too. And I thought for sure we were going to get him, especially once we started to hear rumors that Cloud from Final Fantasy VII was going to be there. I was like, okay, like Square's got the rights to, to Gino. And Nintendo has the, you know, shared rights with Gino. So there must be... There must be the opportunity here. Makes sense. He's going to be in it. And of course, we know now uh, we got the bait and switch and we got Gino as a me fighter uh, or a me fighter <laughs> skin or whatever. So too bad. But uh, up until really between 1996 and 2018, all we had was that port on the SNES Classic and it was re-released on the Wii Store as well. And I think Wii U 
Uh, mm-hmm. Those stores, of course, have been closed down, and it's not playable on the Switch SNES uh, library, I don't yeah. think, at least not yet. Um, we finally have the re- uh, the remake that just came out this year, so I'm really excited to play that probably next year when I'm on the plane. That feels like a plane uh, traveling game, I think, uh, Mario RPG. So I will definitely get around to playing that remake very soon, but those are my memories of Mario RPG uh, from when I was a grown-ass man playing it for the first time at the age of 25 until now uh, at the age of 30. Um, and of course, Mike, like you said before, we do have a caller joining the show today and I can see in the studio, our phone, the red light is blinking. So why don't you let our first caller on so they can talk to us about their memories of Mario RPG. All right, Neil, joining us today is friend of the show, Cam at CPOX. We're really excited to have him on for his first ever non-Zelda game uh, (laughs) for this podcast. He finally gets to come on to talk about another Nintendo staple. He's talking about some Mario today, of course. And Cam, we have to ask you, who is your favorite NPC in Super Mario RPG? Um, My favorite NPC, uh, I can't remember them all, but I really like, is it Toad? Toadstrovsky. Oh, uh, are you talking about the one who is on the Yoshi Island one, or he's trying to make the song? Um, you fir- Toadovsky, Toadowski. You first see him. Yeah, he's my favorite. I don't even know his name. <laughs> um, he's he's in the running. Um, okay. Oh, actually, you know what? Here's here's one. Since I'm just in the first part of the replay, there's a lady, a lady toad, a toadette, okay. I guess. In yeah. um, one of the first towns you go to, and she just tries to trick you into jumping. <laughs> Doesn't she want to like like know if you're no wait, that, I see I keep on getting there's so much dialogue and I always get it mixed up between Mario and like Paper Mario and Mario RPG and isn't there one where like you jump and they're like oh it's you it's Mario I'd recognize that jump anywhere I think that's Paper Mario though I'm thinking of something I else. I feel like there's something similar in this one but for this lady and she has a few different dialogue options like you go up and talk to her and she goes. Hey, what's that on your shoe? And then you can't do it. You can't advance dialogue or move or anything until you jump. And then she goes, gotcha. And it's like, (laughs) oh man, I love that though. That's like, that's such a good little thing to put into a game like this. And, and Cam, I know you were referencing earlier, Todovsky, who is the, uh, that is, he's a famous Toad composer Mm. uh, who is basically supposed to be like Tchaikovsky mixed with, with Toad. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he's found in Melody Bay. Uh, where yes. the tadpole area is, um, yeah, he's he's a fun one. I mean, like, it, it is very similar to Paper Mario, where they like put a lot of effort into these characters that you see like once, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and who can forget Tobo Troopa, the giant uh, t- uh, Koopa <laughs> shells? I don't know how they get to be three hundred pounds and flying. Um, yeah. They're chunky boys, though. Those are good ones. There's a lot of chunksters in this, in yes. this game, which I, I love. Big Yoshi. Of course. Big Yoshi. I mean, if you Always. want a favorite enemy NPC, it's got it's that pink or uh, purple Croc guy. I forget his Mr. Croc. No, I don't know his name. But Birdo? he's <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's the guy that like steals Mallow's coin at the very start, and he's like usually a pretty uh, like difficult, not a boss, but like a like a mini boss. I know who you're talking about. I just don't know the name. See, there, there's like over 300 NPCs, yeah. enemies, characters in this game. We are not. This is probably not great listening of just us trying to think of characters that we can't even remember, but we can vaguely remember what they look like. Okay, defini- I'll say a definitive answer for the cut then. Ooh, okay. My favorite cut. NPC is the kid playing with the dolls who sees Mario in his home and then just dump trucks the Mario doll. 
and then laughs about it. <laughs> that kid is a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Mario. He, he finally sees himself in lights and his doll is destroyed. Mm-hmm. But Cam, we do have to ask you about, of course, your memories playing this game. So for us, we first played this game very uh, late, you know, in our in our in our late twenties when we were grown men, middle and, aged, uh, someone say, middle aged, <laughs> <laughs> and you played it as a as a as a young young boy, as I understand. So so tell yes. me uh, tell me some of your memories of of first playing this game. Oh man, some of my favorite Nintendo memories are from Super Mario RPG Quest for the Seven Stars, as it was called on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, boys, when I played this game, we had to rent it from uh, a place called Blockbuster. All right, <laughs> we're not we're not that young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we rented. Um, I think we we owned the Super Nintendo, but my mom rented me and my siblings Super Mario RPG, and you get the games for two weeks, and we couldn't beat it in the two weeks. Um, And then a core memory, which my mother loves to bring up, is that she suggested um, a strategy, which will be kind of a spoiler. So I'll just I'll say that. But the way to beat the final boss, you have to have Peach in your party. And no one no one thinks to use Peach because Peach is usually the one you rescue. Right. Mm -hmm. But she is the one who can heal. She can revive the downed people. So basically, my mom's strategy was heal and revive and then just defend so you don't die as peach and we had to re-rent the game for another two weeks and we beat it on the final day (laughs) that we had it and it's like that's what that's got to be like 25 plus years ago now Mm -hmm. and that's that's the core that's the core memory from from super mario rpg quest for the seven stars that's a fantastic memory for one yeah i love that so much like just uh the the fact that uh, Princess, well, Princess Toadstool, actually, mm-hmm. yes, that's in, right, uh, in the original, and they did change her name for the remake to uh, to make it sync up with all the other Nintendos out there. I don't, you don't want to have uh, Princess. I guess Princess Toadstool. I'm not sure exactly when that name change happened, but um, I feel like it was in the mid '90s, like on the N64. That feels like the break. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that feels like when it was just Peach at that point. But mm-hmm. yeah, I love that your mom, uh, she knew. She knew that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because like that was also the thing, as you mentioned too, you know, playing this game to almost 25 years ago, uh, there's no way for you to just go online and be like, all right, That's so right. Like, what's the best way to beat this boss? Like the, the best thing you could have done was to get the guide or like <laughs> like ask someone on the schoolyard, be like, oh, like, are you playing Mario RPG and I feel like uh, I mean sure some kids were but it, it was also quite a difficult game and a long game compared to other Mario and like kind of kiddish games that we were playing at the yeah. time right so it's it's a it's a big leap for sure to play that so I'm glad I'm glad that you had your mom with you to to, to carry oh thank you goodness yeah <laughs> how did your mom know what to do was she a gamer too or because my mom didn't my mom thought every Pokemon was named Pikachu <laughs> <laughs> she was a game I guess for like um. NES and Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. definitely a gamer. Nice. I mean, as far as like a Switch gamer, they my parents struggle a little bit now, which is fine if if they hear this, that's fine, <laughs> it's cute. But yeah, she she grew up, or no, she didn't grow up, but she had the NES when it first came out as a young adult, mm-hmm. and her and my dad would play it, and I assume that's where my you know love of video games stems from. Your your inherent skill. That's right. <laughs> I, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to be braggy. You were, you were born to do this, basically. You were genetically mo- genetically engineered to be good at video games. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, your mom was just mainlining all the Final Fantasy games <laughs> while you know she was racing you. I just never saw her. 
Yeah, that's right. She was playing all the Square games, and that's who made Mario RPG. Nintendo and Square, I want to talk about the relationship mm-hmm. between those two companies real quick, because in the 80s and 90s, they were they were arm in arm, man. Like, like Square putting out games on the uh, NES and, of course, the SNES as well. We got all these Final Fantasy games. We got Chrono Trigger. Um, big, big partnership, and they were a big publisher, big developer for the console, and it all led up to this. Nintendo wanted to do more with with Mario and the Mushroom Kingdom, and they went to to Square, and they asked them Actually, to... Actually, Square went to them. Sorry, that's right. Square went to them, wanting to do make a Mario RPG game, and they originally, Mike, you were uh, referencing it to it earlier, they wanted to put Mario on a horse with a sword. Basically make it like... <laughs> Mario and Lord of the Rings combined. and uh, Well, because the only thing they really knew was this, like, medieval style, right? right? And that's really all they did in uh, in Japan because Square's games were really successful in Japan, but they could not break through into the Western market. And they thought that if they used the, the Italian plumber, uh, they could uh, they could kind of push through. But it was funny, like, to go to Miyamoto and be like, what do you think, Mario on a horse with a sword? And he's like, uh, No. Yeah, they went to uh, they went to test groups and they were like, "What about with a hammer and boots?" And then that's kind of where they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that works a little bit better. It will give him like different kind of goofy weapons and goofy power ups, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously all of the multiple different characters that you can uh, have join your party and characters mm-hmm. that you meet along the way, both returning from past Mario games like Yoshi's and Goombas, and then all of these new characters uh, like robots and and of course the giant sword in there, and there's all these new enemies that you can fight. So they didn't quite take everything from the Mushroom Kingdom. They definitely added a uh, Square and later on Square Enix flair to the game. It's really too bad because Mario RPG was supposed to become a really big or at least a main staple franchise in Nintendo's library and it would have. They announced they were going to bring it over to uh, the N64 with Mario RPG 2 but Nintendo what? made the uh, the foolish move of making cartridges on the N64 and uh, Square you know, said, screw that. It's cheaper and uh, easier to develop for the PlayStation. We can make our games more impressive. We can make them bigger. Um, so they left Nintendo behind. And that's why we have basically no Square Enix games on the N64. And PlayStation got all the Final Fantasy games. They got yep. all of the RPGs. Jeez. Nintendo has like, or the N64 has like two RPGs or something <laughs> like that. Like not many. Um, so it's sad, but Nintendo basically wanted to continue this RPG uh, franchise, but they couldn't because Square owned uh, most of the IP for the game and the characters and the battle systems and everything. And that's why Nintendo worked with Intelligent Systems to make uh, Paper Mario on the N64. And eventually they also went to Alpha Dream to make Mario and Luigi on uh, Game Boy Advance and DS and 3DS. And now we have Brilliant. now we have three active Mario RPG franchises. So it feels <laughs> like oh, I feel like something went wrong along the way. Uh, they're all great franchises in yeah. their own way. Uh, but it, it, from a a fan of F Zero, we've been waiting twenty years for a new F Zero game. To think that we get a new Mario RPG game basically twice a year, it just hurts. <laughs> well, hey, I mean those Mario RPG fans like Cam are waiting twenty seven years for a remake. Uh, You've had so. Paper Mario's and Mario <laughs> Luigi games. They're basically the same thing. It's true. I mean, I wasn't actively, um, you know, sitting here being like, man, when are they going to remake this? But let me tell you, the second I saw that they were, I got very excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it was also one of those things that you probably didn't think was going to happen uh, just because of that relationship with Square and Nintendo and the fact that, like, anytime, like, a game is broken up licensing-wise... You're always assuming that, well, like, this probably will never happen. Like, I'll probably never get this remake. But, yeah. uh, Cam, you played it as a as a kid. Did you ever go back to this game later on? Absolutely. Um, so, they, obviously, as the child, it was the first time. And then I didn't play it again until emulators were a thing. So, probably university. 
just because um, mm-hmm. we never... I've, I don't believe I've ever actually owned the game. It's one of those, like, rare ones where, you know, you can buy it for, like, a couple hundred bucks, I think. Right. Um, yep. So I never owned it, but then uh, Super Nintendo Emulator, the first thing I got was Super Mario RPG. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but still, I mean, University... Uh, spoiler it was about 10 years like 10 years ago now more than that so yeah. it's, it's been a while time keeps moving forward you were playing mario rpg on your psp the way that god intended it to be right that's you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the true way what was your feeling when you played it again more as an adult or like as a young adult like playing it uh where you didn't need your mom to, to take you <laughs> take no, you still through. needed his mom was it still yeah he still, he still had to call his mom was, was it just for the final boss yeah. <laughs> was it still the kind of the same feeling that you got of just being like whoa this game is like really cool it's really funny the graphics are, are great all that stuff uh all those things except the graphics are great part but uh mm, yes because the emulator one was still like the super nintendo graphics but man the the nostalgia and even like there's so much in that game that i'll play it again and be like oh yeah i forgot about this like the, the lumberjack or what is it like log dr- rolling mini game mm-hmm. like, there's no point to these games <laughs> but they're hilarious and you know the frog coins and I, I know there's a bunch of secret stuff that I'm forgetting, but it, it, oh, it was, it's great. It was, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. I'm, oh, we, I'm... Got, we got a whole section for Easter eggs, of course, because <laughs> there are a lot Perfect. in here. You did mention the mini games. Good time to, to talk about that for a second. Yeah. This game has mini games. Like what? Why? <laughs> it, it, it feels like such a random inclusion, but they are a lot of fun. There are, uh, you did mention the, the barrel, uh, river barrel one. I don't yes. know what you would call it, but you're, you're running on barrels in the river basically trying not to fall uh there is also the yoshi races yes which are a lot of fun right. mm-hmm. uh the minecart maze which was confusing i don't like that one as much to be honest uh, the yoshi races are probably my favorite uh there's also collecting coins down the waterfall yes uh tons and tons of other i think there's like a dozen mini games nice. uh, in this if i can remember these were just the the ones that 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 popped into my head but yeah uh, very cool to for a game like this in 1996 to be chock full of mini games, and you guys have to remember too, this is before Mario Party. That's right. That's true. Yeah, this must the have first Mario Party. <laughs> that must have sparked a lot of influence for Mario Party too. I think that this game started more franchises than we probably I give it so. credit for. Like, yeah, it led it led to the Mario RPGs, but it probably it also opened the door to Nintendo thinking, oh wait, we can do way more with with Mario than just adventures. Like, we can have him do goofy yeah. things. We can have him play sports. Uh, we had Dr. Mario at this point, and I think Mario might have been in golf at this point once, and I think he might have been a tennis ref. Um, but other than that, that was about <laughs> it now. And then you you know flash forward to the uh, N64 GameCube generation, and Mario's playing. He's playing golf. He's playing soccer. He's playing baseball. He's playing, you know, everything. And then, of course, all the, um, all the Mario Party games, which have just gone out of control at this point. That's true, and it's too bad that there's no... I don't think there's no multiplayer game uh, mode in this game, right? Like it's it's all yeah, no. it's only single no, no, player. No. I'm sure that Nintendo probably would have like if this game was made today, 100% would have had a multiplayer mode. You would have been able to play with four friends on the Switch, yeah. and then the and then the uh, the mini games, of course, would have been you know playable maybe on maybe online, but at least local multiplayer for sure. Maybe maybe one day we can get some full multiplayer, full battle <laughs> royale, <laughs> Mario RPG 99. Let's do it. Yeah. But, uh, of course, yeah, like I said, there were a lot of great things about this game, and one of the great things about it is the dialogue, and, and really just the plot in general. And, and Cam, do you want to take us through a little bit about uh, the plot and what the hell is going on in this game? 
I sure can try, but I'd also I want to comment on the dialogue thing yes. first because I I've stre- I streamed this. I've only done one session, um, or maybe two. I got to Gino's house anyway, and I literally commented how I loved the dialogue because they just say like one punchy line and then that's it. It's not like yeah. <laughs> pages of scrolling. Right. Every toad says one thing, and it's like, oh, I don't know where my grandson is. And that's, <laughs> like, it. that's it <laughs> that's the true plot <laughs> yeah i know there's there's so many of these that's a good way i like that word punchy lines this this game has a lot of them and neil and i were talking offline a bit about how like this game maybe even has better dialogue than the paper mario games even though those have fantastic yeah. dialogue yeah. but i feel like this one had like they they had a bit more of a leash to just say whatever <laughs> like there's some there's some questionable what? things that are said by some of the characters for sure and like yeah like you said they just leave it they're just that's it that's the last thing they say (laughs) like there's arrows raining down on your town that you know freeze people when they hit them and you have sent your grandson out on some errand and he didn't come back and now you're like where what could have happened i'll tell you he's frozen in your front yard i saw him Your grandson is frozen. I'm. I'm not. He's not dead. Sure. He's, de- he's dead. I'm sorry. And that's and that's what makes all of this interaction with like these hundreds of characters so funny is that Mario never talks in this game. Like he yeah. doesn't have at least like in the later. I think in Paper Mario, some of the Paper Mario games for sure in the Mario uh, and Luigi games, Mario is talking because they do that kind of fake Italian sounds. Um, in this one, he doesn't say anything, and like the characters do say like, "You're just gonna stand there silently," like or you know yeah. they, they reference the that's fact right. that. Like that he doesn't. Oh, you're 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 shocked that you can't even talk. You know, like he they they reference the fact that he's not even responding to them, and uh, it's funny. The game is the characters are very self aware. Mario's going. He's he's getting arrested as an accomplice by not saying anything. That's uh, right. When when yeah. he sees the grandson die on the front, <laughs> take him away. I do really like the justification. Like he'll do. You know, he'll do charades, and I guess literally turn into other characters to act stuff out, but. Especially in later games, and I mean, I have to slip in a Zelda reference. Like people, it's acting as if he's he like gestures with his hands. They're like, "Oh, you told me a whole story," but Mario, they're like, "You're not even gonna talk to me." Yeah, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Which I think is excellent. I love justification, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and they put a lot of effort into the characterization of each one of their faces too, and mm. like the 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 way that they like look at the camera almost and like like look around. <laughs> like that was something that. I was really kind of surprised about when I was was watching gameplay this week and just being like, oh yeah, like I forgot that there's a lot of effort put into this. It, it almost reminded me of Wind Waker in that sense Ooh. of like the really enhanced personalization in faces of like, wow, like that's a crazy thing that he just said. Where, you know, this is, yeah, 1996. Like that's, this kind of stuff was not happening, especially in a Mario game. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just thought that was really cool. It made the yeah. world. It made the world feel just a little bit more real. Like that, yeah. the characters had all this personality. They, you know, they're walking around their town like they were doing in games like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy back in the day. And even uh, like having the environments uh, like reacting to the weather, like having like all the leaves <laughs> kind of moving in the wind. Like there's just like little little animations and little details like that um, in this game that just help make the world come to life. Because like I said before, like we really only knew Mario from the 2D games, and for the mm. most part, like those worlds don't feel real like everything is in the background and you have platforms in the foreground and that's basically it uh this one you know there's trees there's leaves there's clouds there's 
there's always been water in Mario games, as we know, but like there's water that has like, you know, ripple effects and very, very uh, primary, you know, because it's on an SNES, but they, they yeah. did a good job of making the world feel fairly real for like Mario's first ever RPG game. Um, and I think that they've definitely made it look better in from what I've seen in the uh, remake gameplay, because um, in the original game like a lot of the scenes they're kind of they look like almost like dioramas like little kind of tabletop Mm -hmm. almost like a tabletop board game because you can see the edges you can see the black outlines or like a blue background and everything (laughs) it looks very it looks empty and kind of takes you out of the uh the immersion a little bit um but with the new game i think that they made it look a little bit more filled out which which definitely definitely helps that that is kind of dated the game a little bit for me but uh, cam we asked you a little bit earlier about the story of the game and the story focuses on mario and his friends they're uh, seeking to defeat the smithy gang um he's crashed into their world this giant sword has gone into the castle and scattered uh seven star pieces of uh star road all around the world and your job is to uh, fight all these enemies uh, with, in, through turn-based combat to get all of these seven-star fragments back to kind of bring the world back together. And you do so by fighting, as I said before, multiple enemies, multiple boss fights. There's optional boss fights yeah. too, which is not a thing in uh, most Mario games. And uh, the whole game is uh, dissected up into nine neat little chapters, uh, two of them being the opening and the conclusion, and then the other seven obviously being each of the seven uh, star segments. So uh, was there a, a specific level or world in the game that stands out to you as a favorite or one that you like to go back to? Well, first of all, that's what I was going to say about this. Yeah, story. I know, Neil, you just, just, you just decided just, to say the well, I just went back to it. It's fine. <laughs> I got I got way off track, but I would have said that probably word, word for word. Nice. nice. <laughs> favorite level. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to think. I seem to remember taking a lot of delight. There's, um, I think a, there's a mole world, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, mole and mountains. Yeah. Mole mountain. And the premise is like the mole kids get lost. And I seem to remember having a lot of fun in, in mole mountain because the kids are really stupid. And uh, I think that purple crocodile guy is there. I seem to remember a really intense fight. Um, what what are the levels are there? Do you go up in the clouds? I'm sure you go. Yeah, up in that's the clouds Nimbus Land. That was my favorite one. I like that one. It's nice and bright. I yeah, think is that where I'm trying to remember where uh, Molo's from? Because uh, he, he thinks because yes. he thinks he's a frog, but he's actually not. Spoilers. That's <laughs> yeah, like almost immediate spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. That is, he's a he's not a frog. He's a cloud. Yeah. <gasps> how how could you? How would he know? But he looks just like a cloud. Maybe maybe that's just trying to tell us something that you can be whatever you want to be. You know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'd, I'd like to. Be, I'd like to be a cloud. I don't know about you guys. I, I wouldn't know because as soon as I get any other people in my party, I put Mallow away. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Mallow is part of my cons section, which we'll get to at some point. Because <laughs> he's just not really needed at all. Um, there's He has no impact on the story also at all, other than the, the tadpole thing. And that I guess maybe the fact that like you just, you are in Nimbus land or whatever because of him. Uh, yeah. But that's that's basically it. He's, yeah, he's probably my least favorite. And, I, I use him at the start. Well, yep. first of all, because you have to. But right. he, he his lightning does hit like you can hit its area of effect it can hit multiple people it has been helpful and i'm trying to like crank him up and level him up and level up his magic so maybe i'll be the first person to ever use him <laughs> in the party when there's options but cam will be the first mallow main ever. <laughs> Honestly, but that feels that feels very much like an rpg thing though isn't it, it? Is, like it your is. your earliest party members like you probably are going to leave like you're going to use one of them early on and then as soon as you get anything a little bit more powerful you're never going to use 
use them again. That's just that's yeah. just in these long games that require you to you know eventually focus in on leveling up certain characters, either their HP or their strength or their magic or anything like. You, you you need to budget your uh, your experience points and and, and and Malo just didn't get any of them and eventually you get to a point <laughs> in the game where it's just too late you can't use him anymore because he's just gonna get destroyed yeah. in one hit so that yeah. makes sense it's like it's like the Caterpie that you never uh, leveled up in Pokemon or something <laughs> right or the Zubat that you uh, caught and never used seems just oh, like yeah. all of Ash's Pokemon who he refuses Basically. to level up but <laughs> that's right mm-hmm. but somehow he wins. Yeah. Somehow he wins. But uh, Cam, we we didn't let you, you you talk about the plot. That's okay. Neil did a, a fantastic job summarizing it. I will let you actually talk about the, the gameplay because we really haven't talked about how this game actually works. So can you kind of summarize how this game works, how the, the gameplay style is, what you have to do to, to kill people to move forward in this game? Yeah, sure. It, it's an interesting one. I don't know that I've played other games like it because it's it's 3D, yes, but it's I, I don't know if there's a term for it, but it feels like it's like almost like top down, not quite, but like angled 3D. Isometric. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that the term? Yes. I, I, don't, I, I guess we'll never know what you call it, but <laughs> um, which I, I enjoy. I like I like how the little sections are. It doesn't take up the whole screen like it's, um, you know, there's like the surrounding darkness and the connecting you can tell where you're supposed to go um on the switch it's a bit different because um you know on the uh super nintendo there's only like four directions you can go um but on the switch it has the whole 360 thing so you can kind of um run you can run in you can run in circles if you want instead of like a a tight square but um gameplay it's one of those things that screwed me over when i tried my one final fantasy game and avoided all the fights um (laughs) it's like if you don't grind you'll get through it quicker but then eventually you're gonna hit enemies that you can't skip and they're gonna mess you up so my gameplay has consisted of killing every single bad guy that i come across i i think i might be way too leveled up for where where i'm at in geno towns i'm just like (laughs) one hitting things um but the i like the level up system because honestly i like the tree you know like the skill trees of later games but there's something nice about a simple like you pick between hp um fp which is the flower power for the special moves and i think like magic damage or something and that's it and every time they level up you pick between one of those and it's you don't really have to think about it too much I, I like the... I, actually, I don't normally like turn-based combat, but for some reason... Or maybe I do, and I just never... I never knew. <laughs> this one is kind of different because there's there are turn-based games where you just pick your attack and then you just let it fly. This one, in Mario games specifically, they oh, it's more of an active turn-based combat because yeah. like you need to time button prompts mm, and you timing. can you can block and dodge and everything like yeah. that, which was influenced by a Japanese toy, I think. That, uh, That's right. The Square oh. Enix developers were uh, really fond of back in the day. Um, the idea that's... was to get some action into uh, right. this RPG because, you know, like I said earlier, Square wanted to make a game that was more palatable for Western audiences. And their idea was like, Americans need action. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> we need something to do, which honestly, like, it was a good idea. That timing system, of course, kept going in Paper Mario. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I'm very good at the timing, too. So that's good. a big bonus. Um, there is a, I don't know if you are wanting to talk about the newer, like the new additions to this sure. gameplay yet. Yeah. We, we can go into that. We're on the, we're on the course of gameplay. So okay. Cam, talk to us about the, uh, the remake of, uh, of Super Mario RPG in terms of the gameplay of it. What, what new additions, because I, I feel like this would be 
the place. This is probably the biggest change other than graphics, obviously, but this is probably the biggest change for the remake. Yeah, I mean, oh, the, the big thing that I noticed right away is there's something called, I think it's called the gauge attack. Um, and basically, we were just talking about the like the action you can take during your turn. So if you do hit that action um, prompt to either attack, do your double attack or defend, uh, every time you hit it successfully, it starts filling up this gauge um, on the side there. And when you get to the, when you fill it, you can do this special attack. I suspect, and I don't know, this can be fact-checked maybe, that there will be um, different options for gauge attacks because uh, the one the one that I have right now is, it's fine, it's fine, but um, basically you can use someone's turn to call Toad. Toad, uh, a random Toad comes out of nowhere, gives you an item, and it's a random item. I think there are three selections, one like, uh, will make it so you hit your next two action attacks. Mm-hmm. One makes it so you defend against the next two attacks, and one fills up your flower power, which is neat. But it's also not like, you know, like a what, what do they call it in Final Fantasy, like the breaker or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's I I guess they also don't want to make this like completely revolutionary to like yeah. what Super Mario RPG is, or else yeah. you're just making a whole new. RPG. Just make R- Super Mario RPG yeah. 2 then, if you're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they probably will now, now that it's back in people's minds. We'll <gasps> see how well it sells, but uh, it's got to outsell the original one, I guess. If they And uh, whoever, I forget who made the new uh, Mario RPG game, but they need to not screw them over with their next console, is basically what <laughs> yeah. Nintendo needs to not do. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if the original one had the, the really sexy cutscenes, like the cinematic ones, but no, damn, really. when Mallow was chasing that crocodile, I was like, whoa, this looks really good. Um, which I guess, I don't know if that's gameplay so much, but other than that, like, it seems pretty much how I remember it, which is great. Yes. That's what I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the sound. That's the sound. That's the sign of a perfect remake. It's like, it makes you remember the game it, it it makes you feel like you're playing it again like it did when you were a kid without reinventing yeah. everything and changing everything completely that that's that's perfect like i'm really stoked to play that remake hopefully uh next year i'm uh, definitely going to be picking it up when i'm traveling as i was saying to mike when we were uh starting up the episode so that's i'm glad to hear that you're a longtime fan and really enjoying the new game oh definitely makes you feel yes. like spider-man good and of course uh we have talked a lot about uh some of our uh our favorite things about this game Uh, we gotta mention some of the favorite lines in here now i i I wrote down a couple that i love and and maybe this will get you guys going in terms of um remembering some of your favorite moments but uh one of my favorites is bowser saying ah i miss the good old days princess toad school screaming in terror mario (laughs) rushing in to save her and he starts crying (laughs) (laughs) oh i haven't got back to that yeah that's really that's a good one um and bowser doing a haiku this one i'm not sure where it was i just like looked this one up and i i was like oh yeah this is fantastic like the moon over day my genius and brawn are lost over these fools wow (laughs) is that poetry it's Bowser's haiku. Wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I think having Bowser in this game really enhances the dialogue. Yeah. Me. I think it just makes it so much better. Because when had Bowser... This certainly would, would have been the first time that Bowser was a... I mean, he's not a friend, but he's he's not... Your, you're working with him in this yeah. game. I don't think that I, you ever saw that before. And never have since. Uh, in Mario Party, kind of, I guess. But, like, you're not working with them still. No, you're right? competing. Uh, Bowser's Inside Story. 
Oh, the, yeah. The DS uh, RPG, which is one of my favorite uh, Mario RPGs. One of my favorite DS games, too. Uh, they, they work together on that one, I think, for the entire game. I'm trying to think if they split off. I don't think they do. And then I think they work together again in Paper Mario, Super Paper Mario on Wii. They get along so, better on uh, in the RPGs, it seems like. <laughs> RPGs, Bowser is okay with them. but uh, mm-hmm. uh, And enough. not a line, but uh, I was mentioning this earlier. Um, Mario waits for a kiss and he closes his eyes. Uh, Princess Toadstool approaches and then she keeps going and doesn't kiss him. Instead, Bowser and Booster both plant a nice kiss on Mario's cheeks. And uh, Princess Peach is then crackling up and taking pictures of this. Oh, nice. okay, I do, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. That's like a physical comedy, which in again, like another thing in video games, wasn't really all that common yet. Where it's like something funny was happening with no dialogue, really. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and this this does a great job of kind of telling that story, which uh, I love. Two last things that I do want to talk about here. Uh, first, we'll talk about uh, well, three last things. Sorry, I keep adding on here. Uh, one will be really quick here. The music. Cam, what are your thoughts about the music in this game? Because I did want to just highlight it quickly. I, I do love the music. Uh, it's the nostalgia factor, definitely. Sure. But like the... It's just like it's catchy. It doesn't get on my nerves, and there's so much. There's so much different music, like the when you're doing the log rolling one, or I guess any mini game probably. Um, But it's yeah. I mean, I I, say your piece on it. I'm done. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page. That it's it's fantastic. I think like yeah, you nailed it for sure. And also the fact that there's a lot of Mario remixes. In it that I'm sure you yeah. caught, where the, mm. there's like you know little parts of the Mario themes that are in it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The game's soundtrack was composed by Yoko Shimura. Uh, she incorporated arrangements from uh, Koji Kondo and Super Mario Bros. and three tracks by Nobu Uma- Umatsu from uh, Final Fantasy IV. I believe that's the uh. Roman numeral for the number four. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good. It's a very good soundtrack. I love how diverse yeah. it is. Like, there's yeah. so many different areas in the game. Of course, there's all the indoor sections, the shops, uh, that little houses that you can explore. And then there's all of these different um, uh, environments, outdoor spaces that you can explore from the clouds to uh, caves to like a volcano at one point to like a machine factory at another point to, of course, fighting the all the boss fights that we can talk about, too. Um, it, it all works really well. I will say, though, like, of course, this is an RPG. Uh, there is going to be, like Cam mentioned before, there's going to be some grinding where you're just fighting enemies to maybe level up to fight uh, a boss. Uh, I, I did end up muting it, I think, after a while because it does get a little bit repetitive <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for me. Um, just the that's the Super Nintendo version. I don't know if maybe the uh, the Switch version has made it a little bit more listenable for long periods of time. But definitely after a while, when you're getting to like hour twenty, it's like ah, that's fair. I can probably go with just listening to a, a podcast or some YouTube videos for <laughs> a little bit now. Um, but no, it is incredible. I love how basically it sounds like what. It would sound like if Final Fantasy and the Mushroom Kingdom collided, yeah. which, and that's exactly yeah. what this game is. So it's yeah. it's perfect how they how they did the two. That's a great way to put it, Neil. I love that. And of course, we do have to talk about the Easter eggs that I mentioned earlier on. Uh, Cam, do you remember any of like the the Easter eggs in this game at all? Oh, I mean, when you say them, I probably will. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's one. So you get early on, you get a ring that you can put on that tells you when there's a hidden box nearby mm-hmm. and there it went off in the lobby of peach's castle and i swear mm-hmm. i jumped on every friggin square in that mm-hmm. area and i never found the box so that's got to be an easter egg it is an easter egg good job cam it is actually i think it's like in the fireplace or something oh. or uh and 
all it says is it says peaches and it shows three question marks. And when you find that, uh, a toad runs up and gives you a mushroom in exchange for saying that you never saw it. What? And oh. t- today we still don't know what that triple question mark is. So we, we got to maybe we'll theorize about what uh, what is Peach hiding in the castle? Is it oh like secret coup plans? Like like for like <laughs> taking over another kingdom or something? Like some invasion plans? Oh yeah. She's gonna she's in cahoots with the Koopas. She's gonna uh she's gonna yeah. hire she's gonna make it look like maybe she's gonna assassin like their prince or something like that and make it look like it was another kingdom and she's just gonna start <gasps> a whole a whole mushroom kingdom world war and she's just gonna be sitting in her castle watching it all burn down and then she can uh, finally live in peace. Wow. <laughs> Could happen. Yeah, who knows? Or maybe we'll find out in the uh, the remake. The uh, maybe they'll finally answer. What yeah, I know. I'm that's go what check I'm. Check that fireplace. Get, check that fireplace. get there, camp. Get get off this podcast right now. Go play. It. <laughs> as soon as we're done, I'm gonna go check. No, it out. now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, don't go anywhere. Uh, there's uh, uh of course probably the most famous one is the secret boss that is in this game. Uh, that is um I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Kulex or Kulex. It's a boss that is basically just straight out of Final Fantasy. Yeah. It looks like a mythical, fantastical, purple-winged beast. Mike, there's uh, Final Fantasy IV music playing when you fight him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and it's pretty cool. And uh, I know that it is included, spoilers, uh, it is included in the remake. And they've actually put a little twist on Ooh. to it in the remake, too. So you should try and find that secret boss. What makes it a secret boss? Like, you don't have to fight it to beat the game? You, you don't have to fight it. No, it's completely optional. And I, f- I forget exactly what the way is that you have to do it. You can find online okay. the, the steps to do it. And um, it's it's just funny because it's just completely out of left field and looks nothing <laughs> like anything yeah. in the Mushroom Kingdom, which is really cool. I'm glad it's canon <laughs> in, <laughs> in the Mario world. Uh, of course, there's a couple of uh, Nintendo characters that are uh, lumped in there. We have Samus and Link both sleeping in different rooms. In the Mushroom Kingdom, you can find them there. There's also a Samus doll, uh, which is, uh, I think it's in that box of dolls that that kid is like, yeah, uh, yeah. going through. There's a Samus doll in there. And uh, you, the Luigi, though, he is not in this game. He does make a brief appearance uh, as, well, just his his text, I guess, uh, as a, uh, a dream star. Uh, or, or as a, yeah, it's, it's his uh, dream star on Star Hill. Oh, that's right. Uh, I do remember I, that. I think he says something like, I, I want to help my brother or my older brother or something. I forget exactly what his yeah. uh, his line is. Why but, was he uh, such a third wheel? Like, and then, like, why did they have, why did they do him like that? What was wrong? Yeah. What's, what's wrong with you, Nintendo? Come on now. I was kind of reading, like, why Luigi isn't in this game because I did find that a little odd. But I, I read that the developers thought about that, like, thought about putting him in, but they thought he'd be just too similar. Uh, a party member so instead they want to put someone new in and i guess they put either malo or uh or gino as, they could uh, still have him in his house i know right <laughs> at least at least show that he's alive <laughs> he's sleeping in the bed if you have to yeah it seems like he's in like the ethereal realm like yeah. <laughs> just dreaming. he'll just live there for the rest of his life but uh those are my easter eggs do you do you have any more uh neil yeah i got two more you mentioned mine there with link and sam is sleeping in uh they're they're just sleeping off their uh, their adventures that they were on on the super nintendo you know we had uh link to the past and super mm. metroid they're tired they're tired from what they were doing <laughs> they're getting ready for their n64 games which samus didn't get one but uh there's models of our wings from star walks star fox geez and uh f-zero race cars can be seen in uh Hinopio's shop so you can see little nice. Hinopio. Yeah. yeah, nice one there. Uh, and then there's a boy in Mushroom Kingdom playing on a Game Boy. Oh. You can see a kid uh, playing Game Boy. So I'm not sure what game it is. That does remind me of um, 
what did we talk? What game did we talk about? Where you could? Oh, it was um. I think it was Donkey Kong. I think it's when we talked about Donkey Kong 64. What game am I thinking? Where you can hear Donkey Kong from the Game Boy music on it. Might have been a Diddy um, Kong Race. Maybe Diddy Kong Racing yeah, or something. something like anyway, I love it when they do that. I don't think that you could tell what game the kid is supposed to be playing, but uh, I like when Nintendo slipped their uh, their consoles into their games. It's cool. Um, Sony does it too, mostly with just Last of Us games. But uh, I, <laughs> I love finding I love finding video game consoles in video games. There's something very meta about it. But uh, those are <laughs> my agree. two Easter eggs that I found. Um so, Cam, you'll have to let us know if there's any new ones uh, in uh, in the uh, remake. Sure, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have one that might be an Easter egg. If mm. if not, it is a line of dialogue I actually really like. Um, okay. What, you can go into a guy's house in Mushroom, or in the first little village, a toad's house. You have to jump up because his, his boy, I guess there's a big switch in their house that, like, takes the staircase away. So he couldn't get up. Of course. So you go in and you, you solve that problem. But then there's also two item boxes in like his kitchen. And obviously you, you could jump and hit them and take the item. And then when, when he goes in the house, he runs out and he's like, my, my items are gone. Did you, did you take them? And you can and you can say no. And then he goes, well, but you're the only one who could have reached them. Goes, nope, don't know anything about it. And then eventually, eventually after a few no's, he goes, all right, well, like you're Mario, so I'll trust you, but... Mm. <laughs> so I obviously lied. You robbed that man. I re- I did, and yeah. he knew. His whole family may starve because of you. I hope you come. <laughs> I hope you come back later, and he's like been evicted. Like that was his rent money or something like that, and he's just his child gets taken away. That's right. No, his child gets frozen. That was the original <laughs> punishment. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the punishment. The whole game is this guy's just downturned. Like his whole life is just spiraling down because of the things you're doing. I think that'd be really funny. <laughs> that's a great. That would be. A, I'd play that. Yeah, like you do something and something like the butterfly effect, something's happening to this guy. That does subvert expectations, though, because in, like I said before, we've had 10 years of Mario games where basically whatever you can see on screen is yours to take. Mm. Um, it takes you out of that that rhythm where it's like, okay, I see something, a coin, yeah. a, a one-up, a mushroom or whatever. Like, it's mine. And uh, no, in this game, other people do have <laughs> possessions. This game teaches you, you do need to share, you, stealing is not okay. So, see, video games are great. Yeah, Mars a socialist. Property's theft. Yeah, he's, that's he's correct. Taken, he's taken. <laughs> okay, I'm, the last thing I do want to talk about a little bit here is if you have any cons to this game, because this game is, in my view, uh, close to a perfect game. There's really, I, I mentioned before, Mallow is not my favorite mm-hmm. character. Um, I, I, I really think my only cons are maybe just the fact that. This came late in the SNES life cycle or the very end. So we never got to really experience this game on N64, which is maybe where it probably should have been mm. in terms of like, you know, it was clearly so, uh, it was a huge game. So yeah. it was crazy mm-hmm. that it was, it was even on the this nest. But like, that's not even really a con for me. It's still a fantastic game. So uh, what about you? Anything that you can think that you would want to change? Uh, yeah, n- not much. I think, think, I can't remember for sure, but on the original, I believe you could only save on the save blocks uh, i think and that was not great for little me now in the <laughs> remake you can save at any time so yeah. which now i'm like oh, it'd be kind of cool if you had to make it to the save block but uh, so i don't even know if that's a con really um the only other thing i can think of that i commented on was actually to do with the music in that when you're in like i love the music but it didn't like change volume or intensity or something when you would switch um, like areas sometimes 
I, I think, was that this game? Yeah, I, I think I commented on it. But I guess in, no, no cons, perfect game. <laughs> oh, there you go, no cons, <laughs> no go. cons at all. Yeah, the save, the save block, the whole like get to the next point of the game to save is such a dead concept for everyone now because it's like you can just, you can literally just switch off your Switch. Like you don't have to save anymore yeah. and then you can pop back to it later if you want to. The save blocks were in this game. They're also in the, um, I think they're in almost all the Paper Mario games. That that concept has carried forward. It's kind of like the one of the last remaining like little touchstones to uh, to Mario RPG. Uh, the only con that I could think of was what I mentioned earlier with the um, the graphics as beautiful as they are. I wish that they kind of stretched out more across the screen. I get that this was more this was like a big RPG thing. Like you had kind of borders to every single level. Every level was supposed to look like like a diorama, like an art piece, like a tabletop stage almost. But it does kind of look weird to have like a black almost like the nothingness around yeah. you like you're floating in space like <laughs> i guess i guess the world is flat uh, in the mushroom kingdom so uh there is that that's kind of the only con that i could think of was just that that style that presentation style was kind of questionable for me but i love the battle system i love the leveling up i love all the characters i love the writing i love the enemies you you guys are right this is nearly a, a perfect game how about you mike did you have any uh cons that you you could uh, point out for the, the super nintendo version of mario rpg no, really just like what I was saying about how I, I kind of wish it was an N64 game more than anything. Uh, and also the title, maybe not the best. I feel like if they had SEO back then, mm-hmm. <laughs> this would be a bit of a weird just like RPG game, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the Mario RPG game. Oh, but Legend of the Seven Stars is that, that adds a little nice subtitle. We don't get Mario subtitles anymore, sadly. Yeah, what's with that? Right? Mario Wonder. Yeah, Mario Wonder, The Legend of the Seven Stars. <laughs> the Legend of the Eight Stars RPG. Ooh, the Eight Star, finally. <laughs> finally, finally, we get an Eight Star. Cam, is there anything else you'd like to say about this lovely, lovely game before we let you go for the day? Mario, Bowser, Peach. That's the best trio, uh, mm-hmm. if I remember from 25 years ago. <laughs> um, Call up your mom. Let, let's ask. Let's, ask her. <laughs> let's get her on the show. Let's get her a lot. Actually, she's here right now. <laughs> I will say, I remember the Yoshi race is being incredibly frustrating so i'm hoping they're a bit easier when i get back this time i remember a lot of frustration in this game actually it's a hard game if you like especially if you come from not really playing rpgs and not really being in this world and and you think of this as a mario game if you go into it thinking thinking of it as a mario game i think you're gonna you're gonna be like whoa this is not just Mario. I don't have like yeah. infinite lives, basically. Like I have to actually strategize yeah. how I'm going to get through this, and 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 strategize yeah. having a good party is a huge yeah. part of it, which I, I, I think you clearly nailed down <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, there are two modes as well. You can play like the mode where it's easy, and and if you do it for the story, or the 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 correct mode, right? Which is <laughs> classic or whatever. Was that on the old one too? Or did the old okay, the old no. one just had one. Yeah, but yeah. now you can go easy. Yeah, they're making the games more accessible now, which makes sense. Which yeah. makes sense. Um, funky mode. You just get exactly. funky Kong as, as part of your team. <laughs> <laughs> he replaces Mallow. But uh, Cam, it's been lovely having you on. Uh, always great to chat with you. Uh, we'll we'll give you this time to plug whatever you're doing on your lovely Switch channel as well at at Cpox. And uh, yeah, take it away. Sweet, yeah. Uh, streaming is, is still happening occasionally, and I am switching between Super Mario RPG and uh, Tears of the Kingdom. But uh, that, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. Just those two. Not you know, it's holiday season, so not a lot of time to enjoy myself. I guess <laughs> <laughs> you can enjoy yourself in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. And then whoa. Uh... <laughs> Speaking of. 
<laughs> Swinging M, I'm just going to go play some go. Super Mario yeah. RPG. Let's keep oh, it yeah. G-rated here. Yeah, and find Peach's three question marks. That's I am. I might do that. I might do that. Yeah, maybe that was something uh, like R-rated or something. I don't know. I doubt it. Peach, <laughs> Peach smut. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you guys about the plot of the game again. <laughs> All right, Cam. Thanks again for coming on. Thank and uh, we will talk to you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Later, buddy. Later. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, Cam, for coming on today, talking about your memories, uh, all of your fun facts about uh, Super Mario RPG Seven Stars, and the fact that uh, he's playing the remake right now was was fantastic. I, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this game, not ex- like right when the remake came out, but also like about a month later to to give some time for us to also kind of watch what's going on with it and have Cam play it too. Uh, he's our guinea pig. He's going to let us know how it, how it is. Uh, loving it so far, of course. And yeah, it was really impactful to have someone like him come on who did play it basically when it came out, you know, maybe as a seven, eight-year-old mm-hmm. um, playing this game and then playing it again uh, as a 20-year-old and then playing it now uh, in his 30s and getting to really experience the the full breadth of this game in so many ways. And I love that he just is still enjoying it. And hopefully his mom does too. Yeah, hopefully his mom picked it up too and she's giving him tips, uh, you know, like, like she did back in Blockbuster all the way back in the 90s. Um, it's it's so cool to talk to someone uh, who who played the game in 1997, like we were talking uh, a little bit offline. It's weird to put your mind back in the uh, body of a kid when we didn't play games right at launch. Like now Cam is playing this game the day it comes out. Uh, there was a time when like you had to wait for a birthday or a Christmas or a block like the game to get to the blockbuster and oh, no yeah. one had it out. It was just, it's just such a different time or maybe it's just different now that we're we're adults with adult money and we can <laughs> uh, buy games. But uh, yeah, it's really cool. I love talking to Cam about uh, Zelda and Mario RPG. He's very passionate about a lot of these these big, huge games from Nintendo's past. So he's uh, he's always a joy to talk about. Very good wealth of knowledge and an excellent Twitch streamer as well. An excellent Twitch streamer too. And so yeah, definitely please check out his channel at CPOX. I know we do have to read the back of the case, Neil. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I do want to talk... Uh, a little bit about a couple things that we didn't get to get a didn't get a chance to talk about with Cam. Uh, we covered most of it, which was lovely. We we did a great job, I I think. But I did want to mention um, the graphics in this game. We talked about how these graphics for the time were were quite quite cool to to, to look at and quite impressive, being isometric on the uh, on the SNES and and how it almost looks like an N sixty four game. And the reason for that, Neil, you you did briefly mention this at the very beginning, was about the chip that they used, and that was the SA1 chip that is actually integrating with the SNES hardware. Uh, that chip is actually in the game itself, so when you put that cartridge in, it integrates with it. Well, that chip has four times the power of the SNES's CPU wow. and has faster RAM, so that is really the biggest reason why this game runs so well on the SNES and I, I had to find this out before we started because I was like I never understood why this game was on the SNES and how right. it was on the SNES so now I know that's what makes me kind of sad how consoles have such short not short but they uh, I guess maybe truncated life cycles just and it's it's mostly just because of shareholders usually um, yes. and of course technology advances so quickly but it's it's so sad that like the last usually the last few games that come out on a console are always the best just in terms of power the developers have finally found out Mario how to wonder that's right Mario Wonder or like The Last of Us like usually it's it's always Sony for some reason the last couple Sony games are always fantastic looking and it's like man like you guys could have made so many more games that look like Donkey Kong Country that look like Mario RPG mm-hmm. but it came out months before the N64 came out and basically 
took all the air out of the room and everyone moved on to the new the new thing and the super nes was only five years old when uh when the n64 came out which by today's standards would mean that the switch we would be halfway into the next console's (laughs) life because the switch would have been dead in 2021 2022 basically um Mm -hmm. to put it all into perspective so it's too bad that like by the time they figured out how to put in this 32 meg processing chip uh into the into the uh into the into the snes um by the time they finally figured out how to do that we were already on to the next thing and then of course there was the n64 expansion pack which which also extended the life of games but by the time majora's mask or something came out on the n64 people cared about that game but the talk was around gamecube coming out so um it's too bad but the game is very very impressive for a super nintendo game compared to what we had early in the uh, super nintendo's life cycle uh one thing that i wanted to talk about really quick we did mention mm-hmm. enemies and characters uh, in the game. We didn't get a lot of time to talk about some of the boss fights. I know we mentioned uh I know we mentioned Kulex, the um the Final Fantasy boss who is considered amongst most the hardest boss in the game. He has 4000 hit points and uh he's a hidden boss so you don't have to play against him, but he looks very out of place and very funny. Um the boss fights in this game are all very clever. Uh I love the design of them. They're also neat. You never know what you're going to expect when you go into a boss fight in this game. Uh, you fight against a giant cake, uh, Bunt and Raspberry. You fight against an alarm clock named Countdown. Uh, you fight against this weird dragon that kind of turns into a zombie at some point. Um, you fight against, uh, of course, Exor, the giant sword, who's the main mm-hmm. boss in the game. There, you fight against Smithy. Uh, he's the final final fight. He he breaks into or he uh, transforms into five different things. So you have to beat five times. Basically, the final boss is very difficult. Uh, you need to bring lots of items and make sure your team is completely leveled up. Very much an RPG thing. And my personal favorite are the Axum Rangers, which are basically the Power Rangers. Like the Power Rangers are in this game. It's so random. Uh, yep. What they did, I love that fight. It's so cool. Like these five color. It's like, this is the Power Rangers. This is so wacky. I I love the boss fights in this game. It's they're so clever, and um, I feel like usually in Paper Mario games, the boss fights are all pretty good for the most part. There's a few uh, forgettable ones, but uh, this game definitely started that because in the main Mario games, not gonna lie, other than the final boss fight in you know Bowser, uh, I I forget what happens in most Mario games. Oh yeah, I would argue that this game probably has the best and most innovative boss fights of any Mario game. Wow. Uh, I, I would say Thousand Year Door is probably pretty close because that also has some good boss fights, but this could be number one mm. if I if I really think about it. I it's there's not a lot there's not a lot of like big contenders, I think, for like True. the inno- the innovation here of like the boss like in terms of like the design and like the and the, even the naming is funny. Yeah. Like just like there's there's a lot of effort. It feels like that was put into these boss fights. Uh, and I mean, like look at the you know uh, the the final boss, like the optional boss, like Kulex. Like that that shows you how much effort the de- the devs put into this game and making sure that they created like very interesting bosses and some crazy crazy hard bosses. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of Mario games where I really had a tough time on a boss before and this wow. game definitely has some really really tough bosses especially if you go in with the, like, the wrong recommended party yeah yeah absolutely you need to have the right characters for sure that feel that boss feels like such a flex the final fantasy yeah. boss like <laughs> here's so this fantastic cool. game here's this boss that doesn't belong here we're just gonna keep it and you're gonna fight <laughs> him and it's gonna be hard as nails i feel like nintendo would never do that i mean they, they did do it with the remake but they kind of had to i guess but i feel like they would never do that organically today yeah i can't imagine maybe i i'm still in the middle of mario wonder so we'll see what happens but yeah. so far nothing completely unpredictable has happened i'm not gonna lie no final fantasy bosses in mario wonder not many yet i will say 
what <laughs> with that mic i think that it's about time that we hit the back of the case of mario rpg what do you think let's do it all right but first victor hit us with that sweet jingle it's time to read what's on the back of the case there's things written on the back of the case let's read them and now we're reading the back of the case Mario returns in this incredible new role-playing adventure. His latest rival is Smithy, a menacing creature who causes fear and treachery in the Mushroom Kingdom. Mario must recover seven stars and repair the star rod before he can make his way to Bowser's castle for a final confrontation with Smithy. Powerful weapons, sinister spells, and other useful items help Mario to complete his harrowing journey. New friends and old allies support him along the way. Even Bowser lends a hand. Stunning graphics with fully rendered characters and colorful backgrounds. Dimensional three-quarters overhead view provides an incredible player's perspective. It's called isometric. A huge 32-meg program delivers powerful features and amazing environments. Battery-packed memory saves up to four games. That is such a weird way to describe, yeah. like, what isometric is. But also, like, how do you describe that? Like, that is a pretty yeah. tough, like... Have you played Roller Coaster Tycoon before? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that what they should have said? Roller Coaster Tycoon wasn't out yet, so... Nope. Uh, no touch points, clearly. There's no. <laughs> no other isometric games ever. Not a lot on the... I mean, RPGs, I guess. But yeah, there is no easy way to say it. I guess I, the term isometric hadn't been... Uh, not developed, hadn't been discovered yet, but I, I love the, uh, the yellow bullet, po- bullet points on the back of this case. Cause it's all like tech things that you'd probably see like at the end or at the beginning of a YouTube video or something like not on the back of a case as a selling feature. Like, Ooh, a battery pack is in the, in the cartridge. Cool. <laughs> well, yeah. um, but that's, that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that was a huge sell. And the one thing that we do really have to remember about this game and the time is that this is still in Nintendo versus Sega era. You know, we're, 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 and, and we're tech specs mattered a ton. Uh, and we're definitely always trying to outdo each other with, with, uh, with their technological components. I mean, like, you know, look at Sega, the whole reason Sonic exists was to show that the the Genesis is fast Mm -hmm. and that it can render, it can render, uh, Sonic, but yeah, very, very interesting about kind of how that all came up. And, and I did want to mention with the release too. So we do get this lovely case, uh, that was always a bit weird in terms of how the characters were standing, of course, with big Yoshi, uh, on there and everything. (laughs) Uh, but it does make sense for how, how the, the rest of the, the game looks was really upset about the new, Super Mario RPG and how the background yeah. is just white for some reason. They could have yeah. done anything else, but no, they went to they went white. But no, I thought it was a placeholder case when they announced when they first Me showed too. it. <laughs> Me too, but yeah, unfortunately not. But uh, yeah, the releases for this game are really interesting. Uh, Mar- Mar- Super Mario RPG, the original one, did come out on uh, in Japan first, and just a couple months later came out in North America, which was pretty standard for the time but what was interesting was that europe and the pal region so uh europe and australia never got a uh an edition of super mario rpg just never came to them the only way they were ever able to play it was on 2008 on the wii virtual console that's right that's so weird like i i don't know what happened there i don't think that nintendo sold particularly well in europe in the 80s and 90s so i was reading the 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 main reasons were really the fact that yes it it, uh, nintendo sold okay but it was mostly that rpgs and like that world wasn't selling very well Mm, uh japanese games for the most part weren't selling very well in europe and the fact that the localization would have had to be different 
as well. And they okay. already spent so much time and effort. They spent uh, basically a year localizing this game. And I really don't think that they wanted to do that again. And, uh, you know, this isn't 2020 where we have the resources like Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons had to make this game localized in, I think, like a dozen different regions, right? Uh, mm-hmm. At this time, they didn't even know how this game was going to go. This was quite a big risk for both companies. So um, so I think just doing the one localization was probably enough for them. And then when the uh, feud happened with FF7 and... Um, uh, and Nintendo and Square, then I think that was that was the death blow for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking at the box art right now. I do definitely prefer the SNES version to the, uh, the Switch version. Yeah. Um, the characters do look weird. <laughs> yeah. They, they look like kind of 80s sort of animatronic uh, Chuck E. Cheese kind of like really thrown together. Um, the art style is very unique. I'll give it. I'll give it the is. game that. And they they definitely um, showed it really well uh, in the cover. Um, no, it's it's a it's a fantastic game, fantastic box art, um, fantastic legacy. Like a lot of people still consider this, like I said before, their top ten SNES game, top ten Nintendo game of all time. Mm-hmm. So much so, Mike, that I'm pretty sure that it appeared in a thousand and one video games you must play before you die. Am I correct with that assumption? Yes, it is in one thousand and one video games you must play before you die, Neil. Here's this Oh yeah. Nice paper. Lo- yes. That's a good book for ASMR. That book is meaty. It is a meaty book. <laughs> Nintendo's mascot meeting Square's talented role-playing game superstars in the final Mario game released on the aging SNES. Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars was bound to be an epic undertaking, even before you consider that it represented Mario's first steps in a genre that seemed the ultimate antithesis of his happy-go-lucky platforming norms. Even before too many details had emerged, this was clearly going to be a fascinating experiment, and the results would, would have a lot to prove. All in all, it's a rather neat match with only the somewhat ugly rendered three-dimensional character model showing the game's <laughs> age appearing shiny and rather synthetic to modern eyes. As an experiment in the transposition of genres and temperaments, Super Mario RPG is a roaring success, a sign of what was to follow. Square's title opened the door for the likes of Paper Mario console series and the handheld console's wonderful Mario and Luigi adventures. And for the fact alone, we should probably be eternally grateful. If you haven't had the chance to explore this game, do it now. Do it. Do it. Nice. Very nice. Always sums it up. Yeah. Really well. Better than we can speak, so. Yeah, I mean, they don't have an hour, two hours on a podcast to talk about the game. But no, it definitely deserves a place in 1001 video games. Um, They really need to update that book. What does it go up to, 2010? Yeah, uh, just like the very beginning of 2013, like we said a couple episodes ago, if you listened to the Last of Us episode, it wasn't in here, but obviously Last of Us would be in here. It'd knock out Pool Paradise, unfortunately. Probably that would be the game to knock out. There's a lot of games in there that would <laughs> probably get the boot. But Mike, we got to talk about: Do we recommend Mario RPG and the Seven Stars uh, on SNES? We'll talk about the Super Nintendo version. I know that the Switch version just came out. It's great. It's probably going to be Cam's game of the year. He loves it. He's going to play it for a thousand hours. We're going to find <laughs> out what the three question marks means on that mm. question mark block. But uh, going back to the Super Nintendo version, is there still a reason to play the game today? I think there is because there is something about the almost the history factor of it and it, it's not it's it's not like like something like thousand year door uh, when that comes out when the remake comes out for it i think there'll be less i mean this is sacrilegious to say but i feel like there'll be less of a reason for me to play it on the gamecube where i can just play mm-hmm. it on the switch with my gamecube controller you know right like like yeah. not much has changed like obviously well we'll see but i th- i don't think they'll they'll do it uh 
do it dirty. I think they're they're going to do it pretty vanilla. They're going to make it basically what it was on uh, on the GameCube and just have some quality of life features that that could be nicely used. But like Cam said it really nicely there as a, as an adult, he almost misses the save blocks that you have to get to. <laughs> like there is something about that. Like that's why I like playing Dark Souls. You know, like to yeah. try and get to the next bonfire. It's there's something about. Um, having a chance to lose it all and and mm-hmm. and playing especially when it's something like Mario which is you're so uh kind of trained to have all this quality of life improvements that we've had from Mario from the you know early 80s till now like like playing Super Mario Wonder is funny that we have kind of everything that Mario has led up to now it's in this one game mm-hmm. um and, and there is something about yeah just like losing it all as as uh while you're playing as Mario and also playing with the, the the SNES controller, kind of how it was meant to be. Playing it on a tube TV would be really fun. But like, yeah, almost like a history lesson to see like, wow, like, look, this game was actually somehow running on this console and doing a right. fantastic job of it. It's, in my mind, it's a bit like Roller Coaster Tycoon, to, to bring it back to that again. The, the fact that this game was, you know, developed so well, so um, detail-oriented. And like this, there's no bugs in this game. There are no glitches. No. It it no. runs smoothly, just like Roller Coaster Tycoon did. Uh, partly to do with the the chip and and how it was working together with the SNES. We just don't really get that anymore with te- technology. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I I think it's worthwhile to go back to it almost as a history lesson and and almost to just get a sense of like wonder while playing it, and then maybe go play the remake and uh, kind of see what has what has changed what you like what you don't like i think that is maybe the best way to do it so i would recommend still finding a way to play this nes version unfortunately yeah it's not on the switch online service but still very cool yeah i would say with mario rpg probably if you're not going to play the snes cartridge there's no real point in playing yeah that's a good point the game all the way through at least like the original game all the way through on an emulator or if you happen to have it uh, on a wii or a wii u or if you happen to have the super nes classic uh you can definitely play it there to experience the game with its graphics and its sound and its characters and you'll get all the humor and everything but the actual the feeling of playing the game in the 90s with those save blocks with you know the uh the the chance of losing it all it's all lost like on new consoles you have save states now you can do the rewind if the game ever does come to switch you're just gonna you can definitely try and play it without the rewind stuff for the save states but you're probably gonna jump back to that so unless you're gonna play the game the way it was originally released which is getting to those save spots uh leveling up your characters grinding um making sure you have the right party and everything I think you're probably good with just going straight to the one on the new one on Switch. Personally, that's just me though. Yep, um, yep. Or, but I mean, everyone's different. I played the game on the SNES Classic, and I don't regret it. That's for sure. But if you're going to experience the SNES game, I think the best way, unfortunately, to experience it is with an original console and the original cartridge. Which, like I said at the beginning of the episode, is a hundred dollars uh, at least today. Even more if you want a complete in-box version, which is a shame, but these games are getting harder and harder to find. I don't see Mario RPG all that often mm-hmm. at our local video game store. It's very rare. So I'm glad that Nintendo has done what they can to preserve it. I kind of wish that the um, the original version was on the new game. Like, I, I feel like when, yeah. when remakes come out, I don't know, especially with... I can understand if it's a newer game, like when The Last of Us 2 gets its remake. Like, I can understand why the original one's not there. But, like, when it's a game like Mario RPG, which came out, you know, almost 30 years ago... Uh, it looks completely different. You can definitely fit that game on a Switch cartridge uh, <laughs> with another game. That game is not huge in terms of space. So it would be cool to have like another mode where you can play 
the old game. Like just, I don't know why it can't be thrown in there. Um, just as a, a little, you know, thanks for buying. Here's this, even if it's a download code or something, I don't know. It would be a nice thing to have, but um, I, I am my hope. My hope of hopes is that this new Mario RPG remake sells very well. It gets received very well. I've been seeing early reviews. It seems like all the major publishers or all the major review sites are all praising it. It's getting nines and tens and eights and everything, which is really good. Mm-hmm. I hope that 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 translates to sales this year because I would like to see Mario RPG come back as as a not a it doesn't need to be a franchise, but I would like to see a sequel uh, come out. I would like to see what they can do with some more interesting characters. Um, I think Nintendo are running into a little bit of an issue now where the game is a lot like Mario um, and Luigi and Paper Mario, so they're going to have to figure out a way how to differentiate the franchises. Um, And they've already ran to that issue trying to balance two. I think that we saw that in the late DS and then all the way through the Wii U and the 3DS era. They couldn't quite balance two franchises. So a bit like when Nintendo tried to balance the Game Boy Advance, the DS, and the GameCube, they couldn't quite make three pillars work. So I think... Uh, we're just going to run into that issue again with these three very similar franchises. But I still love the world. I love the characters. I love Gino as a character. I want to see Mario RPG 2, so we'll have to wait and see what Nintendo can do uh, with the franchise. What about you? Do you think we're going to see a Mario RPG sequel in the future? I mean, I think maybe because of the relationship that Square and Nintendo seem to have now, like we were saying. Like, I think this is this is probably the best time like we're we've we've never been closer <laughs> to to getting a, a sequel for sure and and yeah i think like you're saying how it depends how the reviews go and the sales go but i think this will probably eclipse the 2.1 million that it had um in probably 1996 also it was funny to, to look back 1996 this this game was going for 70 75 dollars uh wow. in 1996 so uh, that's, uh, very, uh, people forget that, yeah, sure, games go up in price, but games have always been expensive. That's very expensive <laughs> in 1996. Yes. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. So, yeah, we, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I would love a sequel, for sure. I don't need this to be a full-fledged franchise. You can put out a sequel in five years. That's totally fine with me. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll merge the universes of Mario, Luigi, Paper Mario, and Super Mario RPG. Who knows what the future holds, Neil? Mm. Yeah, who knows, Mike? But, Mike, while I'm waiting for the future Mario RPG game to come out, which fuses Paper Mario, Mario RPG, Mario and Luigi, and Final Fantasy IV, <laughs> why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 43 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast? On episode 43, we are moving to the N64 from the SNES. We are going to talk a little bit about Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. This is a fantastic, interesting, different game in the Zelda universe. Uh, it's one of my favorites for sure. Uh, I I think it's one of the the coolest games that I can remember first playing. I just I remember almost being scared of this game because of how kind of dark and moody it was. Uh, just very different from the Zelda that I had played before. And um uh and I I, I love this game. I think it's so uh, unique, and I I can't wait to play it this week uh, to to really get into it and uh, be able to talk about it with uh, you and some guests. Yeah, I I love Majora's Mask. I'm so excited to talk about it with you next week. Such a special game on the N64 and the 3DS. It eventually got its remake. So we're going to be talking about all the versions. I'm sure that our guests that we're going to have on played it at different eras, on different consoles. It's such a special Nintendo game. We're continuing our tradition of finishing the year off with a Zelda game like we did last year with Twilight Princess. Let's see how Majora's Mask does with the listeners and uh, all the things that we probably get wrong about the game or something. (laughs) But it's such a special game, so it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about that dark, twisted Zelda game with you next week. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so 
much for listening to episode 42 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in with the new Q&A feature. We've loved reading all of your comments so far. Thank you so much to everyone who supported our show on Patreon this year. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Gino, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan-funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. The show is produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly 027, and Way Overrated. Oh, Gino. He's, uh, so is, he's is a he puppet. A, is he Ital- yeah, he's a puppet. Is he Italian? He's like, a, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's supposed to kind of be like Geppetto, you know, and like, um, Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah definitely supposed to be Pinocchio. But who's, uh, who's controlling him? That's the question I want to know. Yeah, who made Gino? I think That's it's I, all part of the the peach conspiracy with the three question marks. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Gino is like her. Uh, that's her. Uh, ba- like her assassin. He's going out to start the war, basically. Oh, nice. So she can blame everything on him. He's kind of like the uh, the scapegoat, if you will. Those are the this is you see. This is why they need a sequel. This is all going to be in that Mario RPG too. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs>